0: Fashion Lab on cliffcentral.com
1: Jambo, bonjour, this is the Fashion Lab show. Again, my name is Lisa Gumba-Regisford, I'm your host. And on today's show, we're going to be talking highlights from the Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week Johannesburg 2016 that just went down. We're joined by some really cool special guests in studio with us today. And uh, before I introduce our special guests, we are also joined on the show by Morag Stein, who will be glamming up the show with her Glam Up for a dose of makeup and beauty tips. Welcome to the show, Morag.
2: Thank you so much. Uh, would you mind sharing what you're wearing? Absolutely. I'm wearing a really simple, um, it's like a coat shirt dress vibe, just really easy. Um, and I have... Discussed with you Before the show That I need one In every print And every color <laughs> And every style It's a, it's a beautiful So I it's love, just simple Yeah I love the
1: mix And the little tights You got and on And the leopard the- print
2: tights Yeah
1: It's beautiful. Now obviously um, before I also continue further, um, I would like to we will be joined by our New York contributor Edgy Benson, who will be coming with Echoes from New York later in the show and also just a quick reminder for those of you who are tuned in, I've got my favorite segment at the end of the show called Who Would You Want to Dress and Why? So feel free to share with us your who's, your why's that is the segment I call a red glass of wine at the end of this beautiful show and that's what we use to unwind (laughs) after heavy conversations. Now keep your it's coming. We're at Fashion Lab AF on Twitter. We are at Fashion Lab Africa on Instagram. Share with us some of your favorite, um, you know, whatever it is, who you want to dress, whatever you're feeling like. Uh, some of your highlights from the Mercedes Benz Fashion Week bag that just happened. Um, and uh, yes, so I would like to go straight into... The matters. <laughs> I don't want to dilly-dally anymore. I'm sitting across this stunning woman um, right in front of me. And uh, many of you may remember her. Um, she's a keen academic. And analyst, self-confessed trend geek. She's a teacher, she's a speaker, she's a brand consultant. Uh, We have Nicola Cooper in the house, who is a formidable presence on Africa's fashion and lifestyle landscapes. Now, as a trend analyst, she melds her observations of time and patterns with her expertise and ever-expanding research to chart trends and behavior on the hyper-local and international scale. I'm sure you know who we are talking about, but welcome to the show, Nicola.
3: Thank you for having me.
1: (laughs) You look beautiful and I'd love to first of all just spiel on what you're, what you're wearing and what's inspiring the look. I like, I like what I see. (laughs) I'm actually just wearing a a simple, uh, black wrap dress,
3: which I, I think no woman should go without. Um, and wearing a, um, a piece by um, a local uh, designer, wear, um, who does pilgrim clothing. So this is actually a
1: man's jacket, um, which I decided to reappropriate <laughs> into a woman's jacket. We know how you hold it down, but it's such a pleasure having you. Anytime we have an opportunity to have you here, we definitely take it and run with it. Now, Nicola, um, you obviously attended some of the shows at Mercedes-Benz. Yes, I did. That's as tough. many as I could. <laughs> <laughs> I only attended Saturday night, so I think I'm going to start with you. I mean, I just would love you to share with our li- listeners as well as us a bit about the, you know, the experience, um, some of the highlights, some of the, you know, predicaments, if you had any, what really went down um, at Mercedes-Benz um, this season. What What were some of your highlights?
3: Um. Well, my highlights are, are sort of, you know, the the regulars, you know, such as Marianne Fasler and La Duma and, you know, the the, the standard standouts. Um, and um, there were some really beautiful sort of new designers coming in um, and, and shaking things up a bit. But I think it was um, very interesting to to sort of – understand the move that um, AFI Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week has made. They've decided to focus um, Mercedes fa- uh, Fashion Week on spring-summer, which is our largest um, season in Africa, which I, I think is very, very smart because your designers – I mean, we are, we're we definitely not Europe. We don't have a real winter in Joburg. Uh, so having – an extended and, and bigger show, f- uh, sort of directed towards spring and summer. So a lot of the clothing was directed more to spring and summer. The only sort of thing that, that was a little bit problematic that is if it, if it was for spring and summer, um, then, it should have been done in autumn. Yes. Yeah. It should have been done in April so that the, the manufacturing could have been done mm. and it could have landed in stores. So but, as, mm. as you were seeing it coming down the runway the next day, it should have been available in stores. But I do know that they are working with a retail specialist who's trying to adjust things and I I think it's it's a problem that most fashion weeks are having at the moment globally Mm -hmm. they're trying to redefine themselves in a new structure with technology where you can see things immediately and some of them are you know some designers don't even show at fashion week they show privately without press until it's ready to be launched so I think that there were a few hiccups Mm. But it's a new way of doing things, and it's quite a clever
1: approach. Mm. But you know, it just needs that mm. kind of tweaking. Now, but I want um, to talk to. I just want us before we go further to just go back onto the um, timelines when it when we look at what time a product is showing, and when we think about everything from a production perspective to making sure it's actually in stores by a certain time what would you recommend or what, what would you advise or what would you suggest or propose? Like, how do you think it should be when it comes to, um, you know, like what's the point of showing and then the stuff we've shown. And now what are we doing? Are people waiting for orders now? And then by the time the orders come, will the buyer change their mind? And I'm saying this speaking also from experience because, you know, like I just know that as a designer, one of the challenges, for example, is when buyers are still calling me now, From the last... The SA Fashion Week shows... Talking about we want this and we want that. First of all, one of the things that's changed is a lot of prints. Mm. Um, and especially because of the fact that when you look at production, or when I look at production, from a business perspective, as much as, yes, we can also build our own prints, you want to make sure stuff is moving fast. Yes. And I'm not saying yes to fast fashion all the way, but there is value in being able to make sure we move. So unfortunately, whatever you saw on the runway then, that's not... We moved on. We just moved on. Yes. What would you propose... Um, to the to the industry because obviously there, that is one of the challenges that are just creating a disconnect so when you finish it's like what what's next
3: well i i think you know, what they need to know is is to have a strong foundation of trained to understand you know where they are going or what's going to be happening you know 6 months from now or a year from now so you know if you were designing in in march for this, um, Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week, you would have the knowledge in order to construct or deconstruct a trend, um, on the runway. Um, also, um, liaising or with this newly appointed, um, retail specialist in, you know, small things that make a huge difference in cost, like how many buttons does it have on it? Can you afford to to manufacture it with that many buttons or that much hand stitching or whatever it is. So, the idea is to to get something that is beautiful on the runway, but could be completely saleable the minute after it is seen. And I I think you know that's that's something that many fashion weeks are are, are struggling with, but I think we're heading in the right Direction by saying we're going to focus on what we are good at in in timings where the fashion is prevalent, Mm. you know. Saying we we're not going to do a massive autumn winter. We're going to do a massive spring summer. I mean, that's that's more thinking in alignment with business, Mm. and I think it's a very strong and positive shift in the right direction. Um, You know, so the designers need to get. Their minds around that Because what we were still seeing On some of the the, the runways Was autumn winter things For next year um, Instead of spring summer So I think there's just That kind of teething Problem, you Mm. know, where everyone's got to get onto the same page, but I think the page is a great page, and it's coming, and it's coming.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I I want to, I want to speak, and I love your observations. I also really agree with you when you say um, Africa is not necessarily a a Europe or a a US where the winters are so strong and so long, Um, and therefore, again, maybe it would be time to also consider changing mindsets and also being honest with ourselves as an industry to say. I mean, I feel like if I if 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 I was asked, Liz, what do you think would work, or what can we try next year if we are open for experiments, I would say, how about one fashion week, just one for the mm. year, and what we do is in the fashion week earlier, I would maybe then decide to have a few items of what might be for winter, because the truth is, I can do a whole win- winter collection, but for, from my experience, again, maybe others are winning. It never really works. Out of the whole collection, I would end up maybe selling my maybe four coats to maybe one or two or three uh, shops. But mm. people are just not... People have... I don't know what happens. So I, I think that also um, when you speak about seasons and us being able to also start taking certain steps towards the direction of saying this is where we are and this is what the weather's like and this is the reality, really. Who's buying? When are they buying? So instead of splitting the collections to your autumn-winter, which is just like, come on, and then your summer-spring, then allow designers to actually throw in everything in one collection with a little of what, you know, if you want to throw your two little leather jackets there, whatever, But just make it more, don't you think it's more realistic or? I think it's, it is
3: more realistic. And this is not just for, for Africa. I mean, global warming has changed the climate everywhere. And, and what we need to start seeing is seasonless clothing. And, and that, that falls in a line with, with a lot of necessities like, uh, sustainability. You know, so obviously if you're not buying for autumn, winter and there's no prescribed autumn, winter, Wardrobe, then you're buying something that is, it's got longevity in it. So if you're purchasing something for a little bit more expensive, but knowing you're going to be able to wear it for a lot longer, Mm. then, then it boosts the quality. And the craftsmanship of the garment, because then people are willing to pay the amount that they should be paying.
1: Hmm. Morag, you are sitting here with us, obviously. Um, what What are your thoughts when it comes to, uh, you know, from a consumer perspective? You know, when you go to buy clothes, what do you really switch off in winter, and you're like literally on only winter, or do you actually just consume whatever you like throughout the year? And And what are your thoughts around this conversation we are having when it comes to just seasonless fashion?
2: I think for, for me personally, it's, it's definitely seasonless. Um, you know, there's certain pieces in my wardrobe or pieces that I see out, whether it's summer, autumn, winter, if I love it, I'm going to wear it irrespective of, you know, obviously, um, you know, being in the industry and that we, we need to try and keep in with, you know, what's trending, but also stay true to ourselves and what works with our body, what works with our personalities. You know, um, there's certain things that, you know, might look great on you, but won't necessarily look good on me. And, you know, pieces that I wouldn't necessarily wear either. So definitely for me, it's, you know, wh- whatever works, um, irrespective of the trend or what's happening on the runway.
1: Hmm. And Nicola, now I want to go back to you with regard to like some of the hues, the textures and prints and colors we saw on the runway, some of your predicaments, what you, and I love the fact that you also emphasize on forecasting. I know that's your job, <laughs> but <laughs> the truth is if we know things in advance, we plan better and we, we reach out better and we make more business sense of of where our brands are going. Yes. What did you see, uh, what did you really, what were some of the um, sort of textures or hues or colors that you feel were really... We saw
3: a lot, a a lot of color um, on the runway, which is awesome. Um, And surprisingly, uh, you know, a a sort of revert to color blocking, whether it be in unique hues and tints and tones, but also in pastel hues. Um, So we saw pastel color blocking, and then we saw really bright, vibrant patterns, and and I'm going to say this and probably get lynched for it. Refreshingly, not
1: African. Mm. (laughs) Someone get me my lynch brush.
3: Because honestly, that, that, that ship has kind of sailed on, <laughs> on the runway. And, you know, I'm saying this from, from an analyst perspective, you know, it's, it's, there's no emotion attached to this. The, the culture clash trend and the African print trend, um, has sort of been removed and, and, you know, it was kind of over about two years ago. Um, but, you know, we know it has a trajectory and it takes about two years for a trend to, to filter out. But, you know, th- the biggest problem is that there is a trickle theory. And if someone like a designer uses um, African print on the runway, it's inevitable that it will be knocked off and you will be able to find it at a flea market. That's how fashion works. It's called imitation versus differentiation. Mm -hmm. If you don't move, someone's going to catch up to you and they're going to sell it at a cheaper price. That's how it works. And that's how we make money. Mm -hmm. So, the idea is is that the risk that designers take when they are using traditional cloth and print and pattern is that it could look like it was purchased at a flea market. Unless you focused attention on structure, on a new
1: silhouette or something unique. Appliqués and, and whatever else you want to make. Exactly. However way you want to recycle it. But okay. if
3: you give me an African um, high-waisted... Line, you, you're not pushing yourself, and you're not pushing further because we've seen it, uh, we've probably worn it, and and now it's available to everybody. <laughs> and, and we've them.
1: given it to our nieces and nephews too. <laughs> exactly. But but I want to just um, just touch on what you what you're sharing again. Um, so Nicola, another thing I want to speak about when it comes to the what we call the African print trend is that when you go to places like Dakar, for example, and they and we focus... Obviously, they focus on their fabrics. They've got a whole variety of different fabrics um, from your um, uh, most popular one, which is probably Bazin. Mm. Now, a, a designer who's genuinely operating and trading in a place like, say, Dakar, is not... When they put out a collection, they're actually not even... It's not even a trend thing for them. It's like, this is what we're using. Hmm. So it's also a very interesting um sort of um it's a very interesting twist because for there there's people who are doing african print as a trend. I don't hmm. know. I mean true it is. And you can, like you can say, it should have been gone and it's, it's annoying. And I feel like I've had this feeling every four years. I have this feeling and Mm -hmm. then it comes, then you see it again, then you think it's gone and then it comes back with a new flash and it's like, gosh. But at the end of the day, there's designers who are doing this because it's not a trend. It's, it's, that's all they have access to. And that's, that's, that's what they do. That's how, how do you, Let's talk about that because it's 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 sad. They're not re- really on trends. They are on what they do. Yeah, and I mean more. that's that's also
3: an important point. I mean, there's some some things that we have to confront as trained analysts often, and and that is when someone's culture becomes trained. Um, and 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 that is, you know, it's it's very very interesting, and there are a whole lot of arguments around cultural appreciation, cultural appropriation, you know, the very fact that this particular prince, like Loduma, uh belongs to the class. Um so but there's ways in which to interpret it, mm. like Leduma has in a, in a contemporary way. And, and I say that loosely because with his women's wear, he got a little bit more, um, sort of experimental. However, his men's wear just looked the same. And if he doesn't evolve himself, then that heritage and that sort of translation of contemporary, casa, um, wear, is going to dissipate because mm. people will have seen it and and then it becomes uh, well mm, another one another of those dip, yeah. and and that's the risk that designers have to take i mean the women's where here attached like many tassels and as you know tassels are are a massive trend for next year and they little delicate intricacies that don't affect the pattern don't affect the message but somehow update the look, the crop, the women's wear had crop tops. You know those kinds of things where he's paying attention to trends mm-hmm. and translating it. Whereas the men's wear, you know, it, it's, it's almost like um, a collection that you know that you're going to get the same thing all the time, and it's and it's wonderful and it's beautifully crafted, but it's not moving, and um, and we don't want people to get bored of people like Laduma.
1: Because it, it's such a fin, it was such a fin, it's, it's like amazing. It's, it's, it was such a wow. But then it's, it's, then it, next time it becomes, okay wow. And then it becomes, Okay, wow. Well, oh, okay.
3: Okay, yeah. Okay. And, and that's the thing is that you have to keep revitalizing it. Whether it is your new prints or e- existing prints, you've got to find new ways of applying those. I mean, one of my favorite, favorite collections was Wake by Peter Berger. And that really showed he used no African print. In fact, I think he used a black and white check that's it. But he combined it with leather, combined it with denim, and it was African mm. in the way of the silhouettes and the portrayal, um, the way that the makeup was done. It was a full African story, not using any African fabric whatsoever. Mm. Mm. Um, and that's what makes um, this particular designer, Peter Berger, um, really um, smart and ahead of the game. I mean, he won the Renault New Talent at SA Fashion Week, the year that I was judging, and he used traditional skin. But he, the way that he designed is th- that it was in a very wearable context. And the same thing as his latest connect- collection is
1: that it's completely African without it being...
3: African. Overwhelmingly, mm. Overwhelmingly <laughs> African. Yes.
1: So I think it's it's also very good. These conversations, I think, are very important, Nicola, because there's, I think sometimes what happens is fashion makes over. People move on and brands move on to the next thing. And sometimes it's nice to have these conversations because you still have a big point when you say we've got to keep it fresh and people need to feel refreshed every time they come. It's like perform, a, a perform a performing artist who sings the same thing with the same band, with the same colors and the same doesn't story. doesn't change. Like, these it's like, yeah, yeah. And it gets to a point where people say, why should I go? I already know what she's going to do exactly from beginning to end. Exactly. So I think it's nice when it's not so predictable. I also think I appreciate the fact that you also, um, bringing more clarity and shedding more light on that whole notion around What what is cultural, and then what is who's abusing it, and how far does the abuse go? Not abuse, um, sort of application, and um, you know, exposing our brands and designs to an influence that's heavily cultural, and then obviously at the end of the day, where does it stop, and what does you know? So I think it's just about balancing all of these things, and reinvention. I think was also so important when Mm. you said. It's not necessarily that just, so it's great that you have, you come from this culture, you come from that culture, and it's great that you have this interesting lesson from like Kenya. And then it's interesting how you actually reinvent it other than just throwing it flat out as is, because then again, we're going to find a million of those, like yes. you said, is a million people who don't want to take the risk and take, put more energy and put more, um, creative, um, juices into their sort of creative process to really push the buttons will obviously end up having Liz, John, Peter N, and her, who and who and who all using the same thing as it is. And therefore it doesn't really, it loses and, its value. And as you know, you know, fabrics are limited
3: in this country. Um, so there is a chance that, that people who follow the same route continuously will look like a replication. You know, and, and that's, that's, Unfortunately. yeah, and that's a fear f- for us because, you know, fabrics are not readily available. And how do you make your collection unique and African without using African cloth mm. or using a different kind of cloth? I mean, the, I'm going to try and pronounce this and I hope I don't butcher it. The Bul- Bulbulia threads by Taslim Bulbulia. Um, you know the 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 intro to the scene was a lot of women wearing you know traditional headscarves, and I thought, oh, like, Not what again. what are we what are we in for here? But she brought the most beautiful sort of Picasso, Matisse print in oranges and turquoises, and in this like loose fitting caftan with like detail and applique, and I was like. I think that's probably one of the most. um, I'm going to show you an image of it here. One of the most refreshing that I've seen on the runway for a while, and it it came in many shapes and sizes, and um, you know, it was just quite an original thing. And pulling from her culture, but understanding. That how contemporary women are going to wear the mm. culture.
1: Mm. Now I love these conversations. Now for me, um, why did you make it to the Saturday night, the last show? Unfortunately, not. No, okay. I did not. So I have, obviously, I liked uh, a couple of, um, you know, there's a lot of refreshments from some of these brands. I liked um, Mina Evans from Ghana, had a very interesting um, sort I, of narrative. I was dying to see that. I yeah, was very, very dying. refreshing. Shari Angori with his well-tailored um, suits, um, just, um, he always kills it. He slaps it, actually. Mm-hmm. Let's just say slaps yeah. it and then just ra- go goes on and over his business like nothing happened. So I, I like that. And I like, for me, maybe one of the things I liked about him is there's so much consistency, but it's not that you will see the same thing you saw. So you kind of still get some nice surprises, but there's still a lot of consistency. I liked um Laduma, obviously, because we like him. I love what he's doing with the menswear. And I like his menswear for me is really um it's really uh when we talk about african fashion and and want to place it in the ma- in the global map to me those are some of the brands that really um could tell or share these narratives from the continent yes. with so much um power and so much um 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 ownership and so much um pride because that's he just I love what he's doing. Um, so there was Soraya de Pedade, also from Angola, was really interesting. What I liked about Soraya, though, was she had she played around with um, lace and uh, some really interesting um, geometric uh, sort of prints, and I just love the fact that you know because we did see a lot of lace also, and I think. The lace, I normally say, is um, I know that we don't have to have print or do things a certain way because of where we are from, but I still think and believe that you have to master the art of certain silhouettes, certain, you know, aesthetics. If you want to go lace, you know, there's there's go to look at Tunisia, Morocco, up and go into France and see how the haute couture designers Mm. pull off. And I'm not saying they're better. I'm just saying we need to really master the craft before we say here it is because if it's if if you murder and you kill lace and you abuse it you're dead you just are dead you shouldn't even be touching it because it's such a delicate beautiful story so i love the way that soraya played around with it was unexpected but it was you know the the silhouettes were simple it was very easy a very minimalist approach but still through her lace because she said she likes lace she likes bling and i just love the way that she actually mixed that the whole thing so obviously there's Kiko Romeo from Kenya, Kenya who also came with a few of that Maasai-inspired um, um, twang to her staff. Um, there was a couple of other really cool designers. But, you know, just to mention a few, I thought that uh, one of the things or one of my disappointments as we speak about the things that work, we also have to speak about things that drag us behind. Because as we are moving ahead as an, a fashion industry and we say that we want to get to point whatever, and we are still doing things that just don't make sense. So, for example... a a fashion week being two hours late is unacceptable. It's just unacceptable and it's not about bashing or anything. It's about talking the truth and accepting where we have our little flaws mm. and then saying, how do we move forward? If we are representing Africa and we are two hours behind schedule, hence a lot of people missed that last show because I left there at midnight. yes, And I only went in to also just talk and have conversations with the designers. But obviously, no one wants to talk before the show. So it's it's very unfortunate because, number one, you lose. You've lost. People came to watch you. People bought tickets to watch mm. you. And if your show was supposed to be at 8.30, starting at like 10 or 11, please tell me, like, except Liz. Mm. I don't know who else. Well, I saw a few other faces, but I think that is just an acceptable time is of essence. And time is what makes us get to where we are going. So we can't we can't mess up on the time. That's not what what are your thoughts on the time thing?
3: I mean, it's been my thought for, for many years and,
1: you know, there's some
3: designers that if they haven't started within a certain time, I will leave. Um, and, and I think it's just, you know, what people don't understand is that we are there for four days. And we, it's, it's a job for us and it's a job over and above what we do every single day. So some of us have to get up at eight o'clock in the morning and even some of the bloggers and, and fashion sites have to work through the night to get that product fresh to their readers the next day and and i think that's not taken into consideration that we sit there for 4 days and you know and and we are the ones looking towards like who i'm going to highlight in a trend report or who is going to to feature in in an editorial you know the the people making those decisions their time is not respected and and they don't have a lot of time they 're very busy, and I think that 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 showed pivotly at this p- particular fashion week that it was very devoid of uh media which was shocking and and you know it was conversations that I had with other media is like but where is so and so and where is so and so and um and I, I don't know who handled the, the bookings and, and things like that and the, the guest lists. But, um, you know, celebrities and people who pay for their tickets are not the important people there as much as mm. it's mm. wonderful to have them there. The important people are the buyers. The, the fashion, fashion media editor, The fashion yeah. media The bloggers And things like that They will like send that, the stories To the They are the, rest are the ones the are the, That are the gatekeepers And they are the ones That are going to make sure That that particular element Is seen And I mean We're talking about Publications that have Like 300,000 followers You know So Or 3 million followers and, and if they're not Seated there That designer Is not
1: getting What they need To get
3: and, and that makes me very, very
1: sad. Mm. Uh, and I share this with you, Nicole, and I'm sure of you also mm-hmm. agree. It's, um, it's, th- there's certain things we can get away with, but if we stand to say that we actually care and play a role in making sure that the African industry moves ahead when it comes to the fashion, um, industry here, there's just things that are not acceptable. I'll tell you what really, ner- I'm going to take a break. But I have to say this. So I have my little front row ticket. I go in there, Patata, Mutuchu, Mutata, and Mutata's cousin are all sitting on the thing, on the place. And it's like, you almost feel like you, you, you can't, you can't start, you can't get into a fashion week and now start fighting over seats. Like it's just not, it's not acceptable. It's not cool. But it's funny how the ashes are just like, find a seat. I'm like, then why do I have a ticket with a seat number? Mm. It's mm, very, mm. I was vexed. And I'm Mm. saying this because also, Patata, whoever, whoever, and your cousin and your cousin's friend and her auntie, who I don't know where they came from, what they're doing. I'm here to cover some serious um, conversations around what's going on in the fashion industry, in the continent. So, if there's a ticket and there's a number, why do you have a number? If you have, why do you have a seat number? And why do you think that, you think we're going to go scramble in the front there like we're selling mangoes in, in Potakot? <laughs> you are way, th- you <laughs> are
3: way too polite. <laughs> I are. go with my ticket and I go... I'm sorry, you're in my seat. Uh, because in order for me to do my job, I mm. need to see. So, like, sorry
1: if you ushered away for being in a place <laughs> that you shouldn't be. 100%. Uh, like, uh, Mor- yeah, Morag is like, like Nicola, guys. Wild. Because Nicola <laughs> will drag you. She will throw you outside. Yes, yes, she's, she, like quest, she means business. Listen, I want to take a break after, and we'll be right back after this break.
0: This is Cliffcentral.com. Download the Cliff Central app. Available now on the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Fashion Lab on cliffcentral.com
1: Welcome back. This is us talking Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week Johannesburg 2016. We've been sitting here with Nicola Cooper discussing some of the highlights. And I think it's been very refreshing, um, especially, you know, when we talk about the different angles of some of her observations and what we could also do a bit differently to achieve um, different results um, more and more. So um, I want to just quickly uh, take a little turn and introduce another very special guest um, with us in studio who's joined us um, here today. Um, deriving inspiration from different cultures... Pulled from all over the world, including Africa, Osuare started in 2007 with the birth of Shapes and Sizes. The label was then meant to be of women for you know women of all body types, preferences, and style. The driving force then, as it is now, has always been the unquenchable passion for fashion. Now, with the development of their brand over the years and the irresistible demand for higher quality pieces, Shapes and Sizes has evolved into Osuare, and we are sitting here with this cosmopolitan uh, woman who is the madame of the brand uh, itself. Welcome to the show, Swari.
4: Thank you, Liz.
1: Hmm, Looking fabulous. Now, normally you don't know, but in this show, when you come in, we ask you what you're wearing and what is inspiring the look. So, before we move on.
4: Okay. um, I have on a very colorful um, sweat top. Then, I have like the kimono piece over it as well. And... um, Unfortunately, viewers, listeners cannot see what They will see. Don't worry. We take
1: pictures. of you. Oh, we put it on Twitter. Okay. So,
4: <laughs> like, um, when you were introducing me, you talked about being inspired by, you know, women of all shapes and sizes and, you know, deriving inspiration from everywhere in the world. This actually looks like, um, looks like tribal marks, you know, um, from Africa or any other place in the world where, you know, tribal marks, tattoos,
1: and all of that are big. So, uh, I loved the collection, um, and I thought that that's the first thing. I just wanted to, well, us to go straight into the point. Um, I loved the collection. It was just late, but it was fine. It was worth the wait, and I also appreciate the fact that later on, as we spoke, you actually shared you kind of broke down what the collection was really about because it could be a bit confusing. And I feel like sometimes when you go a bit deep on your collection and there I am sitting and thinking, okay, what's that and why is that? And then you actually are available to actually speak to us about the narrative behind the collection, then it really sheds more light. So can we just talk about, just a little bit, an introduction of the brand and just what went down at Mercedes-Benz?
4: Okay, um, Brand Shari has been on for seven eight years or thereabouts we started as bespoke just a bespoke line and everything then when you know the brand started coming up and we're getting um a lot of people were interested in the brand and we just said to ourselves you know what we really need to make this brand you know like affordable and accessible to a lot of people so two years ago we went beyond being, you know, just bespoke designers to like a ready-to-wear type of thing. So our I, I pieces now are a bit um, more affordable and, you know, like you and more accessible as well. This collection, this particular collection that I showed at Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week was inspired by Tribal max before the show, I had, like, a press kit on the chairs. My pieces are usually very conventional. Like, they're, my cut is, usually like, really classic cuts. But, you know, you look at it, there's always something that says to you, this is Africa. We have motifs, you know, hand-painted, and a bit of detailing on it. The pieces, like I said earlier, are classic cuts. But you walk into a room, Somebody sees the piece and goes, oh, what's this person thinking about? What's behind this collection and all of that? So a lot of elements, a lot of craftsmanship comes into it.
1: I like, um, I like I I like like what you're doing. Um, now, I ov- obviously also want to talk about it from the business behind fashion. I mean, it's an expense just coming out here to show it. it's not like, you know. So when you invest in um, a sort of um, adventure or a sort of experience like this one, obviously you're serious about your business. Do you want to also just maybe share with us a bit of your expectations when you come into a space like this or you bring your brand or expose it to a platform of this nature and maybe some of the value that you got back?
4: Um thank you Liz. Um fashion in Africa like we all know is you know has become really like really huge. A lot of um, like African a lot of African celebrities are no longer, you know, shy or like laid back about wearing African designers. The world is looking to Africa now. One of the reasons why I came here is for brand visibility. It doesn't make any sense when you're in your country and you're doing so much and everything, nobody outside your country knows what you're doing. So when Mercedes Benz uh, invited me for this event, I was really, really excited because I just felt it was an opportunity for me to bring my brand not only to South Africans, but Africa and even beyond uh, beyond Africa as well. So I'm expecting that... Um, did you get be, yeah I, I'm expecting that I'll be able to get the brand visibility that will grow the business Then, secondly opportunities to stock and everything I'm really glad to say that a couple of stores have reached out uh-huh. to me yeah. uh-huh. we were gro- we, you know
1: we were going there right like I was going there <laughs> yes but I know yes so it's very good that you feel like you actually the trip was worth it because you've come out you've shown obviously visibility again in a different market and I agree with you that you don't want to just sit in one little corner talking about this is who I am and this is where I was mm-hmm. born and this is where I trade, you want to, globalization has forced us. I mean, yes. Madame Nicola is here and she can be, uh, she can attest to that, that you can't just sit in your little corner and be born there and do your business and finish and die there, right? I mean, we, <laughs> we are global, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's very good to see that you're getting some of uh, the buyers and stockists reaching out to you. Um now are you going back to Nigeria have do you have like plans to maybe stock here do you have plans to expand here with or without um the interest or with or without closing all the deals that are sitting in your potential box have, right now
4: Okay um Liz that's one of the reasons why I'm here I'm interested in the South African market whether I get stocked here by stockists or not Be having a presence in South Africa is important. important to me. Mm-hmm. It's one of the plans that I have concerning my business, expansion of my business.
1: Mm. And where do you see, uh, or what can the world expect from Ushuari? And where do you also see the fashion industry in Africa moving to in this near future?
4: I see the African fashion, you know, going really far. There's really no limit. For me, I think the limit for us if the limitation that I see is us, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. there's nobody that can tell our story better than we can tell our story. I can tell you that because of the response I've gotten with my collection. If you want to do something, you have to do it your way. The European or whatever way is set already. We are the only ones who can tell our stories and nobody can tell your story better. So if African designers can just look back, you know, we need to look inwards and really, you know, try and consolidate Africa first before we start thinking of going to the, going to <laughs> Europe or going to America and all mm. of that. Cause those markets are saturated, mm. you know, so if you, Look at Africa and, you know, make your mark here and everything. Trust me, mm. those designers outside Africa will come looking for us. Mm.
1: It's so beautiful. How can our listeners connect with you?
4: I'm on every social media platform. Yay,
1: it's good to hear <laughs> a designer on
4: every social media platform. Your website, maybe? My website is Oshuare.com. Mm. Then I'm on Instagram as Oshuare NG. Then Twitter as well, Oshwari NG, Facebook Oshwari NG.
1: Now, I want to plug in. um, Thank you very much um, for for just sharing with us, um, Oshwari. I want to roll over to Echoes from New York with Edgy Benson just to pick his mind quickly on the Mercedes-Benz and how it went down uh, before we get into our glam um, corner right here with Maurek Steyn. Edgy Benson, for those who do not know, runs a fashion services company based in New York and he sources services to fashion designers and fashion houses. Big ones. Okay. So it's a big thing. It's big things. like go on. Welcome to the show, Edgy.
5: Thank you, Liz. How are you?
1: We are fine. Thank you. How are you?
5: Very good. I like you, jacket.
1: Oh, thank you. You see, see, <laughs> I, I want to say, Oshwara, oh, see the power of social media. We're sitting here. She texts it, she tweets it. And there, Edgy is like, yeah, we like. So, so thank you, Edgy. I want to ask what you're wearing. This is one of my, I think f- four years ago, I did a leather collection. And I feel like it's timeless. So I'll never really change anything about it. I, w- I just kind of produce, um, for certain buyers and stockists every winter. And we just go with quantities and colors. But I just think it's a jacket that, you know, I could wear. My auntie could wear. I'm sure all the ladies in the room here could wear if I gave them their favorite color. Yes or <laughs> no? Yes. It's nice. Yes. It so, looks
5: like a bolero actually. I love it. N- n-
1: <laughs> no, 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 Edgy, I think I'll take another picture, but I want us to go straight into your echoes from New York just so you can also share. No, with it's us.
5: not a bolero, but I mean I like the feel of it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, thank you Edgy, thank you. What can we uh what what can you share with us around this interesting conversations of what went down at Mercedes-Benz um Fashion Joe bag this year?
5: For me, I, I, listening to you guys and also looking at the conversations, I, I I'm in the the, looking at the collections and listening to your conversations, I, I have uh, just two observations that I, I, I made. I mean, for the shows themselves, I think overall the collections were very strong. I, for some reason, this felt stronger than what we saw the last time the, the, in, in March.
1: That, was, and, that uh, was SA Fashion Week.
5: Yeah, but these collections were very strong. This one that we saw today. And, <laughs> and I like what Nicola was saying. Um, I think she has a point. There's like this there's almost like a consensus where the designers are showing Africa in color in print but without being too African uh without being too scary African you know so yeah. it's like <laughs> it's it, it's more crossover than normally you know mm-hmm. so I love I love that part of it you and, know And I, and I
1: also want to add on that Oshwari's collection was also to me very appealing in a very interesting way I just wanted to unpack the details behind it but her collection was, check it out online, I don't want to go I into too much it. detail, yeah. but everything we're saying here is actually, we're all talking the same language, and we are all on the same page, I feel. So, what was your other observation?
5: Well, it's just picking up from what you were saying about seasonality, you know, the seasons. Um, I know for African designers, I mean, our seasons are a little bit off kilter, but Seasons are themselves under threat. You know, the, the whole idea of a fashion season is, it's, it's really, it's changing, uh, because of social media, social moods, and, and just global, and all global kinds warming. of things are converging <laughs> to change fashion seasons in the way that they used to be. But I still think that we can't be seasonless. I think seasons inform silhouettes. They inform fabric weights. They inform a lot of things. So in some way, seasons will always be there. For us to compete globally, I mean, like like Osaroa Osaro was saying, in Africa, well, in Europe, they have everything in such a way that you can say the same for African designers. They, everything in Africa is there. You know, there's no print we haven't seen. But everything will survive on crossover. Like, how do we compete globally as Africans? And I think looking at these collections today, I, I mean, these collections that were just shown, you can see that the, the thinking is there, the narrative is there, the desire is there to compete. And now, how do we do that when seasons are disappearing, you know? I, I think that's something that African designers have to figure out. We can't be without seasons. They are not really disappearing, they're just evolving. And we have to be good enough to to to, to, to latch onto those, those seasonal trends, like what is going on with the season, you know? Uh, That's my observation. I don't think we can be seasonless. I think the seasons are not disappearing. They are just evolving and we have to be able to evolve with the seasons and find new ways to latch onto seasons.
1: Wow. I love your ideas um, and your observations. Aj. I want to roll over to Morag Stein, who is going to glam up a bit um, on a different season here. Let's <laughs> go. Cool. So welcome to the show, Morag, Thank again. Thank and, you. And, and you can just take us through what you have today for glamour.
2: Awesome. So the lipstick colour of the week is called uh, Men Love Mystery. And the reason why I've chosen this colour is because it's obviously Women's Month. And I feel that as a woman, we need to re- still respect ourselves. And let a man have mystery in our lives Um, It's a beautiful Sort of like a lavender purple Um, It has a matte finish It's a MAC Cosmetics um, brand And it's very similar to Up The Amp The the colour But just more of a matte finish Um, And then Talking about dentistry, um, a beautiful smile is more than, you know, just something beautiful to a person's face. It's really um, something that gives us inner beauty, confidence. You know, it's it's the first thing people see when they look at us is obviously our smile um, and our teeth, of course. So I went and had a lovely experience um, and I actually had my teeth whitened um, and I'm I really, it's something amazing. Um, there's obviously different procedures and different ways of doing it and I went um, to dental. Den- Danfern Dental Studio in Johannesburg and had it done and this is what they're all about.
0: We strive to change the mindset of people um, and show them that we're really in a new age of dentistry. Um, that has changed a lot over the years um, and it's it's basically come down to more about the patient experience than it is about just solving a problem. Um, so you want to keep somebody happy um, and also attend to, to their dental needs. So thanks to the advancements in, in Dental technology—you um, can really provide a what's called a dental experience to a patient. Um, I mean, lying on your back, watching your favorite movie or series on Apple TV listen to your choice of music, or even having a fresh cup of brewed coffee. Um, these aren't usually things that you'd associate with a dentist and a dentist studio. Um, that's what we're trying to achieve, uh, to really give you that dental experience. Um, we pride ourselves on always being friendly, kind and caring, but also most importantly being in, uh, a perfectionist in, in our field of work. We're in an age of, of digital dentures, so. Everything's quicker, faster, better, um, and that's even what society expects of everything. Uh, I mean, if you just think about food, groceries, whatever it may be, everything needs to be quicker and faster. Um, We're in the year of 2016, and and that's what everybody expects. Uh, So with the advancements in digital dentistry, it it now makes it possible to even make a porcelain crown or veneer um, in a single visit which means that there's no need for multiple appointments, um, no need to, to come back to a dentist three, four, five times. Um, you can do everything in, in one appointment if you really have to. Um, I mean, even you can, get your, you can get your teeth whitened with a professional whitening system in a single visit. Uh, you can get a smile makeover, which consists of uh, aesthetic porcelain crowns or veneers in a single visit to you basically changing um, and improving a smile in a single visit which is a couple of years ago it, it was it was never heard of um, and thanks to the technology it's possible um, and it's also it's ever improving day by day it, it, it's just advancing and it means that dental treatments are just getting better and better and better and that's, that's what Dentistry should be about. It's, it's not about the look of everything. It's about the patient. Um, you should provide your patient with the best possible treatment and products that are available on the market.
2: Thank you. Um, and that was um, Dr. Hannah Skippers. And I must say what an experience it was. It's the most high-tech dental studio I've ever been to in my life. And it was such an amazing um, experience where I actually lay in the chair. I was watching, you know, what I wanted to watch on Apple TV, as he mentioned. And he literally went through every single tooth in my mouth, told me what's wrong with it and why and what the solution is. Um, and I think that in the new age, you know, with technology, you know, people are moving at such a fast pace. It's great that the service is accessible um, to clients and that the age has changed and um, obviously, good oral hygiene, um, you know, it's no use having a wonderful smile and then, you know, you have a bit of a situation in your mouth. Um, so obviously, realistically, you know, I asked um, the oral hygienist, you know, realistically, they say brush your teeth twice a day, floss every day. But, you know, keeping up with our lives, we can't do that. So they've recommended that, you know, brushing your teeth twice a day is essential. And then obviously um, just flossing three times a week as well. What I'll do um, is I'll just post up a whole lot of stuff on my social media platforms. Um, you know, questions that I asked um, and really interesting answers, actually. Um, you can follow me on social media at stain That's M-O-R-A-G-S-T-E. Thank you and that's all from me Wow thank you so much for joining us With our Glam Up series Um,
1: Nicola thank you for joining us as well How can our listeners connect with you They can connect with
3: me uh, My email my general email Is hello at nicolacooper.co.za And I'm on all social media Platforms at nicolacoop
1: And uh, Oshwari We are going to obviously continue this offline But how can our listeners connect with you
4: my website is Oshwari.com. Then okay. the Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter is oshuari ng. Thank you. Thank
1: you. And Edgy? Yes. Yeah, on Twitter?
5: On Twitter, it's NW New York.
1: And who do you want to dress today? We've literally Me. got 10 seconds. Nicola, Me. okay. Edgy and Nicola, who would you want to dress and why?
3: I'd actually love to dress Marianne Fassler, um, just because her her style is so adventurous. I think I would have a blast, and I highly respect her, so if she would let me play in her closet a little bit and dress her for an occasion, I would love to do that.
2: Morak. I would love to dress designer Daniela Margot. She actually asked me to do her hair and makeup for her this Saturday, but unfortunately I was out of job. So I'd love to, to do, dress her and do her up. Oshwari. I'd like to dress Liz Ogumba.
1: <laughs> Liz Ogumba in the house. Thank you very much. It's been a beautiful show. I would like to dress Sibongile, who's sitting with me here, who's been screaming, why can anyone else not dress her? So I will do the honors of dressing her. It's been a beautiful show. Keep your businesses flowing. Make the right decisions and keep in touch with us. We are on www.fashionlabafrica.com. Peace and love until next week.
5: Keeping it real
1: on cliffcentral.com.